Pastor Josh Barnett. You are listening to the We Are Rising podcast. Hey everybody, this is Andrew with the We Are Rising podcast, and with us, we got the war master himself, Josh Barnett, who will be taking on Chris Dickinson at, at GCW Presents Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 2 this Saturday in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Some tickets are still available, but if you uh, can't make it, you could watch it on Fight.TV. Uh, Mr. Barnett, thank you so much for doing this interview. Appreciate your time uh, to talk to us. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Bloodsport coming up. Uh, just talk about how this second show, I mean, the first show was a success, and now we got the second show coming up. Uh, what was there, tell, tell us about how this the second show came about and just picking and choosing who got to, uh, who you got to uh, wanted on the card. Well, um, the first show uh, did come off as a, as a success, uh, thankfully, in, in, in more ways than one. Uh, we trended number three on Twitter the night that we had it, and uh, you know, we still have a lot of folks coming up saying that they felt that that was the best event of WrestleMania week, mm-hmm. and that my match versus Minoru Suzuki was possibly match of the year, whatever that merely means, but mm-hmm. I'm just glad that people were so into it. Um, the second event uh, was just a matter of me and, and Brett at GCW had always talked about not just doing these once once a year during WrestleMania week, but expanding this into a, a more frequent product. Now, that doesn't mean every week or every month, but trying to get multiple events off in the year. So we brainstorm, we figure out where our schedules can overlap, and we go to work. And, and uh, with that, we, we reach out to the wrestlers. Of course, we, we try to continue to use uh, the talent that we really think represents the brand and, and that also uh, you know, performed so well for us on the first of it, and also bring in some new faces and, and uh, uh, new challenges so that we can try and continue to keep creating not just interesting matchups, but really only matchups that we can create because uh, we, we have a very... I think a uh, special thing with, with Bloodsport that it can't be replicated. And so, do you see Bloodsport becoming um, a regular promotion or not just something that's that's two two or three times a year do you, and maybe adding championships? Uh, do you foresee Bloodsport becoming that way? I don't know. Um, I would say that's an impossibility, but really the, our main interest is keep pushing the kind of product forward that, that we can be proud of and 
that, that represents what we want. And make sure we stay in the red, or sorry, wait, make sure we stay in the black. And <laughs> we can pay, pay the boys and, and keep making shows. You know, we're just going step by step. But, you know, the rest of it, all those other things would be fantastic. But uh, as far as creating a show that uh, was a, maybe, a, uh, you know, perhaps even going all the way to being on TV or something, I mean, Hell, yeah, fantastic, but if we can't stay um, stay with a successful product down where we're at right now and make money and, and, and build little by little, then we'll never get to anything bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, one of my, my co-host had a question, unfortunately you could not make it today, but he asked, uh, going back to the first show in April, the first Bud Sports show, um, how did you want to do it differently than Matt Riddle uh, when he was doing Budsport the year before? Did you? Uh, what was your approach uh, to Budsport differently than Matt Riddle's? Well, um, I mean, I don't really know what Riddle's approach toward Budsport was exactly because uh, I wasn't familiar with what what he may be invo- uh, involved in in that process. So I couldn't really say what Matt Riddle's. Um, concept was or wasn't or anything about that but I knew that after watching it that I felt that there was a lot of it looked it seemed a lot of uh, uh, how do I put this the idea of having a kind of a shoot product a, a down and dirty legit no frills wrestling product but it was like someone's idea of that on top of somebody else's idea of that. It was like a, without the familiarity of what that really looks like and how to, how to make that. Mm-hmm. And to no fault of, any, of anyone involved because I don't really expect anyone to know what that is. Most people in wrestling today have no connection and no roots to the more legitimate eras and... Uh, um, I think I get what you're trying. I, I get what you're trying to say. Actually, my co-host and I, we did discuss that. We did have similar thoughts. That we kind of thought that Matt Riddle's was more like pro wrestlers, I don't playing uh, as if they had a shoot background, as opposed to yours, where it is people who have a shoot background and can uh, successfully implement that style. Is is that what you're trying? has a shoot background. I mean, that's not a qualifier necessarily, although I would say that if you're, if you want to be a true professional wrestler, you should have a shoot background. Like, I don't know how you're going to show combat sports if you've never actually done any combat sports. So, um, I, I don't believe that you train wrestlers by teaching them how to do choreography in fancy spots without teaching them how to do simple, basic wrestling, uh, holds, strikes, and uh, throws, like your fundamentals uh, that I think are ever-present in every legendary wrestler anybody ever spouts off about. So, um, you know, it's important to me that when we have our wrestling product out there that these people embody a real fight, that they embody a real contest, and that the stakes 
mean everything. The rules are legitimate. Everything about what we do has meaning. Uh, nothing is just overlooked and, and just carelessly applied or not applied. I think that it's good to create the right kind of foundation. Um, it also makes it easier, I think, for the fans to get involved and to follow along to why things matter. So um, for me, I just, I look at the first one, I said, well, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a start, but this isn't what I would do. And this, wasn't, this is not how I would book it. So I'm just going to go in there and, and do what I know, or I should say, put my philosophy and experience of wrestling into this product and I know it'll stand out on its own. So actually, I think it kind of tra- is a good transition to a question I have for you that's been a little bit kind of debated on the wrestling internet circles, and that was um, Jordan Grace uh, had put out on Twitter that she considers herself a performance artist, not a, a, a sports wrestler. And I'm just curious to know what your thoughts are on on pro wrestling. Do you consider it a performance art? Do you consider it a sport? A hybrid of both? What are your thoughts on the uh, on pro wrestling? Wrestling is not a performance art. You know, if she wants to say she's a performance artist and not a wrestler, then she's right. She's not a wrestler and she doesn't do wrestling and she's not a professional wrestler at all. She's a performance artist. But that's her decision, you know, and I think no fault to her. Um, she probably has no solid foundation in her training. She, I know, I think she dates, uh, what, Jonathan Gresham? That guy's yeah. pretty, yeah. pretty solid, obviously. And he's got a legitimate background. That doesn't necessarily mean that he trains her. And, you know, I would, God forbid that does happen because that usually ends up being so horrible when, when couples work together <laughs> or, or they train together and that's happened. And, you know, I'm sure they're probably very happy. So mm-hmm. we'll play with fire, guys. It's, it's better to just leave them. Um, uh, um, but I would say that, you know, Jordan's probably never really trained wrestling. She doesn't really understand wrestling. She doesn't have the understanding of the underpinnings of where not only did where wrestling come from and what wrestling means and why I think wrestling is important. You know, she feels, she is totally free to have a differing, differing opinion, but, um, you know, I just, you're, there's no convincing me otherwise. There's no, I've seen all the arguments and they don't hold water for me. So, and it's not just from her, it's from, from, from others too. So if you, wrestling is one thing, uh, sports or performance art and other things, that's something completely different. And I would say that if I wanted to really watch performance art at its highest level, I would watch Cirque du Soleil. Mm. And then if anybody was really curious as to why I would choose Cirque du Soleil, go watch some of the documentaries on what it takes to be a Cirque performer. The barrier of entry is so ridiculously high. There's probably not a single person in professional wrestling that would go through the, the, uh, the trials and the, the suffering and the, the difficulty to be a Cirque performer. They just would not cut it. And, um, the, you know, even once you get there, there's always someone just as good as you, maybe not even, maybe even better looking at your heels, waiting for you to get injured or be, get sick or not be able to take the spot. And they're going to take, 
your way into, you know, getting into the ring itself by what you showed in training, your capabilities, and your attitude as well. I think that that's very important if you're going to go out there, be on the road the, the way that you had that, that a wrestler is, and also be able to get along or at least be able to work with other people. You know, you don't necessarily have to be everybody's best friend, but you got to be able to find a way to work with folks. And, you know, nobody got into the ring back in the 70s unless they were tough. And if they were, they weren't, then they didn't really last. And, uh, you know, all that is still was still built on combat sports. Um, Vern Gagne's AWA training camps that turned out people like the Iron Sheik and Ric Flair were people training every day and running miles and lifting and wrestling for real all the time. And if you're, you would sit there and try to tell me that the Iron Sheik and, and Ric Flair are not some of the best wrestlers to hit the mats, then I think you're ridiculous. Hmm. Uh, actually, I want to go, go back to something you said before about uh, about people should who kn- should know about if they're in wrestling they should have a uh, they have some sort of training in uh in in a shoot background or something similar. And I want to ask if you heard about that re- the incident at Rev Pro between the wrestler and the referee. Yes, I don't really know much about it other than it seems like a, a referee counted someone pinned because. They didn't get their shoulders up, which is 100% uh, what I believe in. Like, referees should always count to three if the shoulders are down. And if you fuck it up, it's on you, not the ref. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a really horrible incident. And I know it's not even the only one. A wrestler or a referee counts one, two, he, and he's about to count three, and he just kind of holds his, he dragged his hand as far as he can and falls over. It's just like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Again, it's a culture of pro wrestling that doesn't exist anymore. And so even the referees aren't trained legitimately. The wrestlers aren't trained legitimately. It becomes a kind of a, a farcical um, version of what professional wrestling is. So I see that some guy, yeah, so he apparently got pinned and then he body slammed him and then proceeded to put boots on him and stuff like that. And like, well, why would you let that happen? Although, to one degree, I can understand if you're in the ring and stuff's going down, you don't know that that they hadn't worked it out or, you know, sometimes you're just like, oh, stuff's happening. I got to wait to see where this opens up. You know, you wouldn't, I don't know that, that the other people in the ring necessarily were aware, you know, mm. but as a wrestler, no, he shouldn't be. If you get counted out, if that's the case, mind you, I don't have a, a, I don't really have much knowledge on this. If someone, if you screwed up and you didn't get your shoulder up, that's on you. You can't go, if you, even if you decide to get mad and beat the ref up, you, you got to work it and play around. And you can't, you cannot legitimately kick the ref's ass. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's about as unprofessional as you can get. Because mm-hmm. uh, one of the uh, wrestlers on Bloodsport, uh, Lindsay Snow, was kind of involved in a similar incident where she was the victim of another wrestler trying to put the boots on her uh, as well. So, and But she's able to defend herself because she's obviously she's got a grappling background, jiu-jitsu blue belt, 
But obviously this referee it was not prepared to defend himself in any way. And so I wanted to get your thoughts on if somebody, if a referee or, or somebody else is in a situa- situation like that in a wrestling match, what, what do you recommend that the, uh, that the, I guess, the victim do to, um, to defend themselves? probably just run away because they probably have no talent to fight at all but um as a referee i I don't know um i would say tell someone immediately be like yo help me out here this guy's attacking me for real Uh, maybe i suppose with with Lindsay, uh, who i've actually worked with before in the past and has trained with us at csw back in the day um you know he she told the girl like yo everything is we can do pretty much everything but don't do this and then don't do that. And the girl did both of them and was unsafe. And so Lindsay's like, all right, cool. If that's, if that's the way you want to play it. And so she ended the match, which I'm 100% behind. Um, if I if I had someone that wasn't playing ball correctly, I'm just going to kick their ass because, you know, we're out there to help each other out. And if you want to take liberties, then all right, then fine. It's a shoot. Or if we, if, if someone was to be... Reckless, I would at least let them know at first, and then maybe I would just probably put them away and just get out of there. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to spend any more time in the ring with you if you're not capable. Um, but luckily, that's been incredibly rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I don't have any problem giving receipts. I once got you know, recklessly headbutted in a match, and I got cut open. So I put the guy on the ground and then mounted him and cut his own eyebrow open. So. You know, there you go. Oh damn! Oh. Oh, sorry, what was that you said? What was this? I, I didn't get. I didn't hear you at the end. I said uh, I got recklessly cut with a with a headbutt in a match once. Hmm. So I took the guy down, put him on his back, mounted him, and then elbowed him and opened his own eyebrow up. Call it even Stevens. Ah, okay. Well, that bastard should have known who he was messing with uh, when that match happened. Um, now, let's talk about Bloodsport 2. Um, originally, your opponent was supposed to be John Moxley, but now it's Chris Dickinson. Uh, just two questions uh, about that. Uh, any chance that we can hopefully get a John Moxley, Josh Barnett match in the future? And just give us your thoughts on uh, Chris Dickinson as an opponent um, in your match. Well, I expect that we can get a John Moxley, Josh Barnett match in the future. I know that it is his sincere desire to make this match happen. Um, my only concern is his um, uh, his office at AEW likely could get in the way and try to restrict and interfere and not to keep that match from happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, seeing as they don't have any, they got no skin in the game with us, nor any probably reason to, to ever do us any favors whatsoever. So, and I don't mean that in a, uh, like, they hate us or, you know, I'm just saying that they're running their own stuff. They're interested in their own product and taking care of their own bottom line, which I can completely understand. Um, but, you know, Moxie and I, we got this together. We went towards creating what we felt was going to be something really special. And unfortunately, and I really hope the best for him because Mercer is no no joke whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's 
match. And so it, that's really unfortunate. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, I would still love to bring this to light. Uh, but, you know, you sign contracts, you work with people, you know, big companies, they have big plans. And, you know, sometimes that gets in the way of uh, what us, the, the wrestlers ourselves, might specifically or, or personally want. Um, uh, the, and with Dickinson, that guy is a maniac. And he, you know, he was in the first blood sport with me, uh, wrestled my, my buddy, Andy Williams, and managed to choke him and, and make him quit. So I've got at least a receipt to give him for Andy's behalf. Um, and also, he's... Uh, he, he says that he is the realest thing that real could be out there. So, you know, here's his chance to, to come and show me exactly how how real he can get. And uh, he's known for, for being a tough guy, um, someone who's not here to back down to anyone. So I only expect that Dickinson is going to bring the fight to me. I won't have to go looking for a, for a willing dance partner. Mm -hmm. I think also that a lot of people were surprised by how Dickinson won. But I think a lot of people have figured some sort of knockout of a strike uh, or a kick. Uh, but he, yeah, like I said, he uh, he choked him out. And were you are you surprised that perhaps he does have some sort of submission background that he doesn't usually use a lot? No, I'm actually, I was well familiar that he has some judo and MMA background uh, mm. in his, in his, uh, his, uh, his briefcase, so to speak. The guy, uh, you know, he, he carries more skills than you know. Mm -hmm, mm hmm And those are those are the opponents that you always got to look out for because you you never can suspect what which one they're going to bring out of the briefcase. Well, here's the thing. If you're in blood sport, it's because you're here to fight. You're here to bring it, and you're here to go to war with people. You're not here to, to, to show off to the crowd. You're not here to... to sell your gimmicks and to, uh, to have your, your, your entrance and, and get people to dance and come. No, that's not what you're, you're here because when you get to that ring, there's going to be somebody across the way who wants to take your head off. Mm -hmm. And so you, you can't, you can't be in this ring unless you're there for battle. Mm -hmm. And how do you foresee this match going in your favor? Do you think you can get him down to the ground and submit him? Do you see it knocking? Do you see yourself knocking him out? Is it even possible that maybe it could be a, a draw like your match with Minoru Suzuki from from April? This one ain't going the distance. Um, I don't know what's going to be the thing. I, I know I'm a better grappler than him, but he is pretty... He's shorter and more compact than me, and sometimes those guys with short limbs can be hard to, uh, to, to submit. Um, I think the main thing is use my reach, try to put knees in his bread basket, and chop his legs. Uh, work behind my hands here and there, but I think if I can put my weight on him as much as possible too, I can wear him out. Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, the Minoru Suzuki match, is that a match also you would love to uh, maybe just try to have again so that there could be a definitive winner? Uh, since the first match did go, uh, oh, actually it went overtime, but uh, no winner was declared due to the uh, time limit. Is that something you would like to maybe run back sometime? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about MMA. Um, you just signed with Bellator this year. 
Uh, is there any news or anything that is being worked out regarding having your Bellator debut at some point? I haven't received any news um, towards what I'm going to get in the ring next, and I'm a bit um, irritated that there's talk of a Ryzen Bellator card, and my name is not in it. So mm. that's got to that's got to be fixed, especially because you know I still have uh, quite an audience in Japan. I'm still a very top level guy in terms of, of MMA, and if if there's going to be a card over there with Bellator and I'm not in it, then I just can't imagine that being legit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And actually, uh, speaking of Ryzen, uh, you do uh, while you have not fought in Ryzen, you do have two fighters who have fought in Ryzen, Alyssa Garcia and Victor Henry. By the way, uh, congratulations to Victor Henry with that win over uh, Trent Gurdam. That was actually that was an incredibly impressive uh, reverse triangle, inverted triangle that he got on him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's something that we uh, have practiced before, and I've seen music practice, but uh, um, you just never know what opportunity is going to open up in the ring. So you, you got to make sure that you've always got the right tool for the job, and uh, Gurdon put himself right into it, and you know, Victor's submission skills were on display. Mm. Do you foresee yourself at getting into a rising ring sometime in the future? Uh, you know, I mean, there is that New Year's Eve card coming up, but uh, has there ever been, has Ryzen ever came to come to you and, and offered any fights or some type of fight deal with you? I have uh, some music questions I want to ask you. Um, you are a heavy metal fan, and I'm curious to know, who are your top five heavy metal bands of all time? <laughs> oh, fuck, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, top five of all time? Uh, uh, or Watane, Goat Whore, uh, Amon Amarth, uh, and Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love the name Goat Horse so much. It is the perfect metal band name. Um, I, I just got a question from my co-host right now, and one of the things he wants to know is, uh, if you, uh, in case if your the career your career as an MMA fighter or a pro wrestler didn't pe- plan out, was there ever a plan B for the War Master? Um, no idea. Uh, I suppose. Um... <laughs> I really couldn't figure out where, what that would have been uh, if I, I couldn't. I didn't really imagine me doing much else besides being an athlete. Um, I don't know. Maybe the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also another question for my co-host: uh, In case if there are any first timers or novices coming into uh, blood sport, uh, watching it for the first time, what would you tell? What would be the first thing? Uh, what would be the one thing you would tell them that would engage them to check out, uh, to get prepared for this show or, or and this style of pro wrestling? I really wouldn't tell them anything. To be perfectly honest, I would just say, hey, tune in, watch some great matches. That's it. 
really needed. Um, if someone wants to see hard-hitting competitive action, then watch us. You'll get that. Um, otherwise, you know, it just would become like, oh, here, here's, here's a gimmick. Well, we're not a gimmick. In fact, that our, if anything, our gimmick is being gimmickless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's why we all love Bloodsport, because there are no gimmicks, there's no bullshit, no performance artistry at hand. It's pure professional wrestling. Uh, and with that, uh, Mr. Barnett, I just want to give you an opportunity uh, to plug all of your social media and where people can reach you and all that stuff that you want to plug. Sure thing. Uh, we at Bloodsport are also going to host a press conference the night before on Friday night. We will air it through social media, uh, either through Facebook Live or, or Twitter, probably. Um, but we will have athletes on on. Uh, uh, on hand to talk about their matchups with their opponents and uh, you know, we're, we're bringing legitimacy to what we do. Um, also, you can follow everything that I'm about on at Josh L. Barnett on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Plus, uh, I have a Facebook fan page, uh, uh, Josh Barnett Official. And uh, if you happen to be in the L.A. area, there will be a viewing party um, Saturday, the 14th, at Gorilla Mall in Alhambra. There'll be the Rock and Roll Beer Guy podcast will be going with uh, a special guest, Alex Min- Alexis Mincola of 3T. will be there to, as him and the Rock and Roll Beer Guy, go over the action that they're watching on screen. Uh, they'll have the pay-per-view. They'll have the Burger of the Month, which is the War Master Burger. Uh, <laughs> and there be some merch to sell there will be some giveaways from people like uh, metal blade records and it'll be a hell of a time mm. i also want to give you one opportunity to uh say whatever you want to or about chris dickinson your opponent at blood sport this weekend the floor is yours not much really needs to be said to chris dickinson because he knows exactly what he's got himself into he and i are on a collision course but only one of us is going to be walking out of that ring alive Oh, and uh, for all those that are interested, uh, you can watch Bloodsport 2 this Saturday on Fight.tv or if you're in the New York, New Jersey, uh, New, York New Jersey area, uh, I believe there are some tickets still available. Is that correct, Josh? There are. Uh, all the ringside stuff has all been sold out and has been for a long time, but we have a, few, a couple rows that still have some tickets available, and uh, you can get them from uh, Eventbrite. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, if you can't make it to the show, watch on Fight.TV on their app or their website. That's F-I-T-E dot TV. Um, and with that, uh, Mr. Barnett, thank you so much for talking to us. We look, we're really looking forward to Bloodsport and your fight. And hopefully we can, uh, we'll talk if Bloodsport 3 happens. All right, right, will do. Thank you very much, Josh. Have a great day.